0: How are we all? It's good. Good to hear. Um, before we get into today's message, um, I'd like to pray. So if you guys would like to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Uh, dear Lord, I just thank you for today. I just thank you for your presence in this church. Let us pray uh, for your your hand to be over this church and this congregation and all its visitors, Lord. Let's thank you that we can come here in peace and freedom to, to hear your word, Lord. Um, as I speak today, Lord, I just pray that um, you let your words uh, flow. Um, and yeah, just pray for softening of hearts and, and open-mindedness, Lord. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... I'm really excited to preach today. I'm really excited about the topic that, um, that I'm talking about. And it's a topic that we're focused on at Youth Group as well. And the word is unity. And it's a topic that we've been trying to enforce from day one with these guys. Uh, through team building exercises to seeing when somebody's in, in need of help to, to hopefully go and help that person. And it's really encouraging to see the guys get involved with that. But today, I thought I'd have to adapt it a little bit, so uh, we'll see how we go. But I was thinking about it this morning, and when I first came to this church, when I introduced myself, or introduced myself to somebody at a birthday party that I've never met before, it normally goes like this, hi, my name's Josh, and I'm a salesperson. And more often than not, that's how it normally happens, you know, you introduce yourself and you tell people what you do. But that doesn't identify you. Through We know as, as followers of Christ that, that our identity lies in Jesus. So we are children of God. As those songs uh, say, you know, we are the children of God. Um, we are freely children of God through, through the love and grace of, of, of God and Jesus. So over the past few weeks, Simon has been taking us through the book of Exodus. Um, you know, We've been going through... Uh, the trials that the, the Israelites and, um, and, and Moses went through to get out of Egypt. And it's been a pretty, pretty big uh, story and lots of concepts to, to take out of it. But I want to focus on, on one that stood out to me. So I went home and read Exodus 18, 9. So if you guys want to follow along, um, feel free to open your Bibles to uh, Exodus 18, chapter 9, verse... Uh, 20, uh, sorry, yeah, Exodus chapter 18, 9 to 26. Um, so for the background of this, Moses has just gone through that battle. They've um, you know, seen lots of pain and heartache, and they're all struggling, and they're, they're looking for rest. So in amongst all of this, when it's all settled down a little bit after the battle, uh, Jethro is... Uh, Moses's father-in-law, so Jethro and Moses' uh, wife and, and kids come and, and visit Moses. And so Jethro was there. He heard what had gone on, and Moses told him what Jesus had done, uh, what God had done in that time. And it goes on like this: it says Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, "Praise be to the Lord who rescued you." From the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh. And who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians? So now I look at the Lord, is greater, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father in law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses, uh, Moses' father in law, in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. They stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is it that you are doing for the people? Why do, you do, uh, why do you alone sit as judge? while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to seek God's will. Whenever they have uh, dispute it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come uh, to you will only wear yourselves out. So not only will Moses get worn out, but the people will as well. Um, The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. May God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men uh, from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate and dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens of people. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will uh, will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all those people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel, made them leaders of people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for all the people at all times. and all the difficult cases, they brought to Moses, but the simple ones, they decided themselves. So, I know there's a fair bit there, but I want to highlight to you exactly what uh, Moses' father-in-law was trying to get at. So he is highlighting that the fact was, uh, if Moses was to do all the work himself, and there were other people around him that were probably more than capable to, to help out, if he did it all himself, he wouldn't only just... Um, tie himself out but the people that he's trying to serve as well so I thought of this story that happened to me oh geez uh, 15 years ago roughly yeah so I was was 15 Uh, actually no that's not quite right so I was 15 years old (laughs) not quite there yet (laughs) maths wasn't my strongest suit at school just so you guys know right (laughs) yeah right (laughs) So my story goes like this. I was uh, in hospital at the time, and I had a major surgery. I had a total leg reconstruction. Uh, for those that don't know, I actually have a disability called cerebral palsy. So um, my left leg was uh, needed some operation uh, on it. And I was thinking about the team of, of people that worked in that space on, in the operation. And I came up with this chart. If, Michael, you want to throw that up. Thank you. So it's got a few little things here. So you've got your surgeon. You've got the person who is uh, responsible for the main work of, of the operation. So they're, uh, they, they, they're there for the final outcome. They, they do all the hard work, essentially. Then you've got the anesthesiologist. Wow, I said that first. Go, go me. <laughs> and their role... I'm not going to try and say it again because I'll probably stuff it up this time. But this this person's role is responsible for uh, keeping the patient sedated while maintaining healthy and stable oxygen and support for the body vitals. So you've got the, um, yeah, you've got that person there and they're, they're making sure that, you know, I don't pass out or, you know, I don't wake up during the operation, which is, is I'm glad they, they got that right. So, <laughs> um, And then you've got your nurses. And the nurses are there to support the overall care and well-being of the patient and the other team members in the operation. Um, Mind you, these are just a few people I've uh, thought of, and uh, they could be, uh, the, I got the, the terms from the American Studies in Hospital, so it could be a bit different. But then you've got your scrub tech, and the scrub tech is uh, the support to the surgeon. So they prepare all the tools and equipment ready for the surgeon to use. So the surgeon's like, okay, I need a pair of scissors. Um, they go, okay, here you go. It's like, all right, I need a, pair, uh, a glue stick. Right there, you go. So, <laughs> I hope it's better than just that. And <laughs> yeah, maybe super glue might be better. So, <laughs> but you can see there that there are so many elements to this team, and it's a massive task to do a full leg reconstruction. I think I was in my operation for eighteen hours. So, um, and I would imagine the surgeon he had time to step out, and somebody else would relieve him, and so forth. But you can see what I'm getting at. So if it was just the surgeon alone, he would not be able to manage all the rest of it as well. He wouldn't be able to make sure that my vitals are good and you know I'm being sedated correctly, and he wouldn't be able to make sure that um, everything else is running, out, uh, running okay in the surgery. And, and then for him to go um, and get a, a, a tool would be quite difficult. So he couldn't just leave me there and go, all right, I'll be back. Let's go and get a super glue. So <laughs> So, yeah. So that's the point. So I then thought, okay, what's the definition of unity? It's interesting what I found, actually. But I focus on Collins' definition. And it says there, when there is unity, people are in agreement and act together for a particular purpose. So again, the, the, surgeons, uh, the, the surgery um, example there was you know the surgeon... And the other team members, they all had the common goal to get my leg fixed and get me out alive. So I think they did pretty well. (laughs) And they had a clear idea of what their purpose was. Another example I thought of was a soccer coach. So a soccer coach could be like, All right, Timmy, um, you're the goalie, so you go out by yourself. You can do that. You can win the game and uh, stop all the balls and score some goals, right? It wouldn't work. So he needs his other team members. He needs his other teammates to come in and support him, score the goals. He needs the striker to make the goals, and he can focus on doing his job. And and that's where that the, the idea of unity comes in. The coach knows that um, he needs other people to come in to support the goalie or the striker. And they all know what their common goal is. So I thought I'd do some further reading, and I came across uh, Ephesians. Ephesians 4 um, is a really interesting book, and the letter from Paul to Ephesians in uh, Ephesus, I believe, um, is a massive city full of Roman and Greek gods. So he's in prison because, you know, he's trying to share the story of who God is and bring people to know God. And he was very successful at it. He brought so many people to, to know God in that space. But obviously the Romans didn't like that because they felt threatened, so they threw him in prison. So let's have a look at uh, Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, before I read any further, that one line stood out to me. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And it got me thinking about our church. got me thinking about our purpose as a church. It says on the back wall here, we have it plastered in the building itself. And it's on our website. It's it's in our our mentality as we walk into this church. And our goal is to make a difference in people's lives and bring them to know Jesus Christ. But we can't do that all by ourselves and just as one person. As we act as a church, as one, one body, uh, we can achieve that goal uh, a, lot, a lot easier and with more success. So I thought, okay, what does it mean to walk worthy of the calling which you have received, uh, you are called to do? When you really understand how much God did for us and how much God loves us, we will naturally want to serve him our gratitude. To know that God loves us this much and goes, look, you know, Josh, you're stuffed up, um, you know, your neighbor's stuffed up, but I love you and I want you to know me and have freedom and, and, sacri- and, and uh, eternal life. So, if you think about that, well, well okay, the, the only thing I, I would want to do is to come, and go, come to God and um, give thanks to him and praise him and, and serve him where I could. We serve because we love God and everything he did for us. Simple as that. We all have personal gifts, abilities, and, and vision. But sometimes we just don't realize it. So we're not the kids at youth group this type of uh, teaching. It's, you know, they've got time to unpack that idea and they can go home think about it. It's like, okay, what, what's Josh mean by that? But for us, we've received not only the gift of grace and Jesus Christ, and salvation. That's not the only gift that that we receive and and the Bible refers to. God gives us unique abilities and strengths, vision, and purpose. And this is all for one common goal, one common purpose, and that's to make a difference to the people in this world. But if you go around and you you ignore that purpose or or that, that gift and ability... You will never see the light of day for it. If you told me that I'd be preaching here and preaching to a, a group of people of this size a year ago, I'd be laughing at you. I'd be like, no way. I've got a stutter. I, I've got um, I get a stage fright. I still do. It makes me really nervous. Happy, just letting you know. <laughs> um, and, but, but my thought was, if I don't give it the time of day and focus and practice, I won't get better at it. So a lot of the time, you'll get people that go through life and they're like, I really like motorbikes. But then that's where the thought ends. They don't go off and go, ah, I really like motorbikes, but um, I actually might investigate that and in how to you know, ride motorbikes or how do motorbikes work. It's very rare that, that people would um, often go to the next step beyond that. So in the letter that Paul writes... So almost an instruction guide on how we should do uh, life with Jesus. It says, with these gifts, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So when we're called to uh, serve God, we're not there to... Uh, bash people over the head to be the Bible and say, okay, take this, read it, it's good for you, go home, have a think about it, thanks, see you, bye. Um, there are some people out there that I've met that have almost done that. Um, but it's not what God calls us to do. He says, bring, bring peace and be patient with one another to get to know uh, that person, bring them to, to know Jesus in the character of God. We can do that through church. We can do that at work. But we could do it in the playground as well if you're a kid. So it goes on then to say, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father for all, who is is over all and through all and in all. It's a mouthful. But you can see there, the, the definition of unity is, is in that. When I went on and did some more um, examples of what unity was, uh, one example was a math- mathematics term which was unity being one. So, you know, we, we we sung it before. It's like in the song, there's one God, you know, Spirit and Son. So we've got the, the, the three in one there. And... But beyond that, we have to use this grace uh, to it, but as in Ephesians it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. But when you think about the gifts that he gave to his people, it wasn't just the salvation and and, uh, gift of grace and, and, and love. But it's those unique abilities and vision and skills that we've all got, but sometimes we just don't think about it or realize it. Now, God's not uh, age biased. He doesn't go, he's not like, all right, Josh, you're now at a reasonable age where um, I'll tell you what your your gift is, and then you can work on it for the next 20 years, and then you can use it and then make it good. Um, I think it's something like, this is a really random topic, but like, Colonel Sanders, I think, he didn't start KFC until he was, what, 65 or something? So, you've got time, you know. (laughs) It is random, but you get the point. It's like you don't have to be uh, doing all these things or know what you're doing and be expected to know from a certain age or uh, time with God. You know, you you could be uh, having a whole lifetime of experience and, know God for 50 years, but you could still go uh, through life not using your abilities or God-given purpose. That's only because we don't often stop to think about what that is and what God wants us to do with it. Some people do, which is awesome. But in verse 9, it continues to say, what does he ascended mean, except that also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, there it, it's, quite, it's clearly put there is um, we have a purpose in, in the body of Christ, in the, in the body of a church. A church isn't a building, a church could be on a car ride on the way home, um, a church could be a time spent at a coffee shop you know, or in a book club, something like that. Verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and, there, here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in this deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth of in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. So, I like that metaphor of being a, a body, and Christ as the head. And we each play a part in that body. Um, you know, I might be a finger on the arm, and cannon might be a toe on the foot, and, you know, Simon might be a, I know, a hair on, on, on the head, something like that, you know. Slightly thing, That's right. <laughs> but the idea is clear we don't walk worthy so that God will love us, but because He does love us. It is motivated out of gratitude not out of a desire to earn merit from God. See, we don't need to earn anything from God. We, he came to us to give us love and salvation through grace. And we do these things to serve him because we love him our gratitude. No one is too old or too young to find, the, to find or use their gifts. You know, as, a, as an elder person, you could mentor a younger person and help them find what their gifts and abilities are. If you see somebody and you can see that uh, they've got the potential to be uh, a good public speaker and you've done public speaking or you're a teacher and you give lessons all the time, teach that person how to be a better speaker. Some people are also in places where they shouldn't be and they're out of that space, out of necessity and not ability. And that's because they, they have fallen into that space of okay, this, this, um, there's a need there and I know I could probably do it so I'll step in just to, to help that, that cause and go on. So if, if I put my hand up and said, hey, Franz, can I join you on stage and worship this afternoon? And, and if I tried playing piano, I'd throw everything off. You do not want to hear me play piano. Um, and that's not to say that I couldn't practice and potentially get better, but it's not where I'm meant to be either. I'm probably better off maybe on the side of here, you know, getting the music sheets ready for him and making sure that I know that the microphone's plugged in and got power and all that type of stuff. But it doesn't mean that my ability is any less. So I want to challenge you guys today. Take the time to pray about your gifts. Take your time to pray about where you should be, whether it's uh, mentoring a younger person, whether it's you know jumping into service for the first time. And it doesn't have to be at the church. It can be in a playground. It can be in in, in work. It can be at the coffee shop. Um, It doesn't need to be an extravagant gesture or or anything like that. You know, pray on it and and listen to what God has for you. But the bottom line is this. Christian unity matters to God. It originates in the Trinitarian unity of God. We believe in one God in three persons, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christian unity reflects our united God. I then stumbled across John 17, where Jesus prays for the unity in his church. So so many times it pops up and it comes up with such power, it's actually quite impossible to miss. So if you want to uh, read it on the screen, you can. It says here, Jesus prayed, May they all be one as you, Father. Uh, As you are in me and I am in you. What does Jesus, and and, and that's a simple prayer. And he prays, you know, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me. Um, And and it's not just just for us to to take and and the gifts are just for us. It's, you know, when you accept God and, and Jesus into your life, he's there waiting for you. But what does Jesus say would be the result of such compelling unity? That the world would believe that Jesus was sent by God. And there is a gospel, uh, there is gospel implications to living in unity on Team Jesus. And uh, it's a topic that really sits with me because it's one reason why I really enjoy youth group. Because I can bring that um, mentality to the kids to, to know that they've got that purpose and they, they have that ability um, from God. And to build that that confidence and have that space there where they can nurture and focus on that ability and give them that opportunity. Um, And that's what I love about this church is um, you see so many people get involved. And, yeah, I wanted to leave today just on that. That, you know, we are as one church and we all have that one united purpose which is making a difference in people's lives. And if you haven't thought about what your gift, God-given gift is, I urge you to pray and think about it and walk a life worthy of what God has given you. So as we finish up tonight, or this afternoon, I'll pray and then Simon can make his way up for communion. So dear Lord, I just thank you for today. I just thank you for this church and the individuals that make up this church. I just thank you that we can uh, go out into this world and uh, even go down to the local coffee shop and, and bring people to know you, God. Our purpose is to make a difference, to bring people to know you, to have salvation through you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your gifts. We thank you that we don't need to earn those, Lord. And we, we um, yeah, we lift up our sins. And, and God, we just pray for that forgiveness and and just thank you that you are an accepting and loving Father, Lord. As uh, we come together today in communion, Lord, I just pray for anybody here that needs prayer, Lord. I just pray for healing and um, and, and I just pray that they can have, uh, we can have that open space to, to sit with you, Lord, and listen to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Josh. I'm going to come to a time of communion now, and...